Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the Batman Universe for this and many other great Batman podcasts. Joining me this week is... This is Donovan. And a friend from across the pond. Hi, this is uh, Steve. Steve Lacey here. Uh, I should point out that's I probably Steve should've... Lacey, not Steve, Steve Lacey. Steve is an old podcasting buddy of ours. Uh, he joined Don and I on select episodes of Amazing Spider-Man Classics, and we were on um, one of his shows, Fantastic Cast. Uh, so it's good to get together with him. Steve, uh, anything that you want to tell the listeners about yourself? Um, just the, the, my first ever podcast was with you guys uh, on Amazing Spider-Man Classics. More years ago than I, I, I really want to remember, I'll be honest, but it's oh, been yes. a while since we've sat down and chatted, and yeah, I've missed it. I'm really, really glad to be on here and talking about what has turned out to be quite a, a, an intriguing episode of Gotham. You're a good man, and uh, yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be add an interesting flavor to this show, this wacky show, which I can't believe we're still watching. <laughs> Um, now, and because you haven't been along for the ride with us since, like, you know, the pilot, like, what has your journey with Gotham been up until this point? I was hugely anticipating this show and various casting announcements really sort of kind of grabbed me on this. And I think the first half of season one, I thought was a, a pretty decent show hampered by this sort of feeling that at any moment everything could just spiral out of control it felt like it was really uh struggling with its various tones and the fact that some actors and actresses were, seemed to be acting in a very different show to everyone else i, I won't point any fingers at uh, dearly departed crime boss on the show but there was such a, an amazing <laughs> array of tones <laughs> yeah well, not just uh, anyone with an m to be honest um in the second half, I felt like it really struggled to justify itself going, although there's a definite pickup towards the end. But I kind of reached the end of the season finale and went, oh, that didn't do it for me in the ways I was hoping that it would. Um, but season two has kicked off incredibly strongly. Those three episodes uh, I watched back to back. Absolutely. And were just phenomenal. I, I didn't want them to end. The way they managed to actually involve all the cast members in the same ongoing storyline, although some like Penguin had more peripheral roles to play, it felt like there was a real drive and focus and direction to the show. And that seems to have continued afterwards as the storytelling has spread out. I just feel like they've learned things over the summer and have really come back with a bit more focus on it. Yeah, the um the overwhelming talk from the casting crew over the summer was like, don't worry, guys, you know, we're fixing some of the problems that we had last <laughs> season. <laughs> like, like, they, they literally said that, including like some cast members like off mic said like, yeah, last season was kind of weak. But uh, do you have any favorite episodes from season one out of curiosity? Uh, an early one that really made me sit up and go, wow, was the goat's 
um, killer episode, the one where the focus was put onto Harvey. Oh, yeah. And I really like that because I think it was the first time they put the crime bosses to one side and just let it be about uh, uh, one portion of the cast. And that really grabbed me. Um, I know that the, the goat killer was a, kind of a little quirky, but I really enjoyed seeing how that one worked. Um, trying to think what happened in the second half that really got me. Obviously, the Jerome episode was wonderful. Um, Oh no! <laughs> I I really because I'm it took me until most of the second rewatch. It was when it was on Netflix. And I realized, hold on, that's the Ding Ding Bellman from um, Breaking Bad. If you've seen yeah. Breaking Bad, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to spoil that. But yeah, um, I I and there was one more from the second half, but I'll be damned if I can remember what it is right now. I thought that's a really good episode. I I really like that. But I'd, I'd have to look at a list of uh, episode descriptions to remember which one that was. Give me a particular. Overwhelmingly uh, hated this circus episode. <laughs> do you have any uh, particular characters that you're glomming up onto right now, like Penguin or Bruce or whoever? Um, I can't stop watching Alfred. Alfred is brilliant. It's yeah. there's a there's a certain uh, British sarcasm that he does very subtly in the show but because I'm British and I come from London and I see that a lot around I pick up on it really quickly and easily I don't know how well that comes across the American audience but I find it wonderful also any time they let him punch someone is a great great moment <laughs> um, including little girls and little boys as of this episode yes. he'll do anyone um, I've been pleasantly surprised by the, the, the young actor who plays Bruce Wayne I think he's done much better work than the pilot suggests he would do Absolutely, and he's really grown into that over the year um, I quite like Butch oh yeah totally he's totally a character well, he, he was like a bit role at the start of the series and he's someone I really oh, we will talk about him more when we get into that um, I'm a big fan of Harvey Bullock although the writers don't seem to be based on the fact that he doesn't seem to have done anything so far this year right um, ever since Leslie Tompkins came on like Bullock's been wasted yeah yeah pretty much I, I'm hoping that there's a longer game that he'll get a big moment soon but it feels like they're kind of not using him as well as they could. I really liked, um, I can't think of her nature, the police commissioner who was killed. In uh, the Sarah Essen. Yeah, I really liked her, especially the scene she had just before she died, when they really let her go. And she was just, she had some really great writing and some really great acting. I was like, yes, oh, this is going to be your year. <laughs> <laughs> your minute. No. So. <laughs> Pretty much, I was like, "No, no, they, no, fucker." I was, uh, <laughs> sorry, it's a brick swear word. Um, I think won't recognise that. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so th- there are there aren't many characters uh, or actors in the cast who I feel are poorly handled or wasted. Um, I'm interested to see what they're doing with Barbara because for the first season, I thought she was poorly handled, but the three episodes at the start oh, of the second, gosh. it really kind of turned me round on that. But I, I. Just hope they remember how to do her well and not season one, Barbara. We've picked on Barbara so much on the podcast last year. And we turned her into and a like, frog. Yeah, like, we had these jokes that she was a frog. Like, even in episodes that she wasn't in, we'd spend, like, the podcast complaining about her. And then they just turned her into, like, a psycho the last, like, episode. We were like, oh, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> it, it was, but um, the thing is, I'm sure the actress is really good, and actually, she proved that this year by when she was given something to work with, she worked really well. But she was just so poorly written in this terrible, cliched one-note 
um, love triangle that went nowhere. Oh, oh, well, it eventually went somewhere, but it just felt like week after week. Oh, she's left the house. Oh no, she's back. And oh, yeah. It, oh, she painful. found homeless children living in her house and shared cereal with them. Uh, yeah, I think all the actors are pretty pretty solid uh, across the board. It's always the writing that's always on trial with this show. I think. Mm, but they that's something that I feel has been addressed so far in season two. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. And this week's episode was called By Fire, and it's a continuation of last week where we have uh, the female Firefly, you know, burning up Gotham. Uh, Selena Kyle's trying to get her away from her abusive brothers, but they wind up catching her again, but she burns them to a crisp. Um, Gordon and everyone is looking for her and promises Selena that they'll keep her safe, but... She uh, winds up dying and burning to death in an accident. Selena lashes out at Gordon and indicates that Penguin was behind this and that she doesn't think that Gordon's going to go after his buddy Penguin. Bruce has dinner with Galavan, his sister, and uh, the ever-so-bland Silver St. Cloud, and just to remind us that this is something that's going on. Butch has his first day as like a secret informant in Galavan's organization and gets caught on the first day. And uh, apparently the cure to uh, Mr. Zaz brainwashing is to get, I guess, whipped a bunch of times by Tigress. So we'll see how that worked out. So it looks like Penguin's being led into a trap. Oh, and in the meantime, Bush has a new hammer hand. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a supervillain code name, Hammerhand. I'm calling it now. <laughs> Meanwhile, Miss Kringle's uh, bad life choices finally catch up with her when Nigma once again, um, you know, loses his in-brain filter and says, Oh, no, I totally killed your old boyfriend. See? Look, his badge is right here. What? What are you so upset about? Oh, whoops, I accidentally killed you. And I just can't much... help myself. <laughs> Where is Kringle? Is she safe? Is she all right? It appears in your anger you killed her. Same type of death, by choke. Uh, So that pretty much sums up this week's episode of Gotham, By Fire. What did we all think of it? As I was watching it in the beginning, I thought it was kind of cheesy and classically dumb, as though Gotham typically has been. And it got better towards the end. Um, I liked how the Firefly thing wrapped up, because it was tragic, predictably... And I like the scene between Celia and Gordon where they're being very, very emotionally raw. So I thought that was pretty good. I do like the fact that the, the uh, Butch Galavan plot didn't drag on, and they kind of went to its natural conclusion pretty immediately. Um, and uh, it's interesting that that Bruce is being involved in his evil schemes pretty directly. And like it seems that like Silver Saint Cloud by this scene and the preview for the next episode is legitimately in on you know being evil. So that's humorous. And um, I really liked the Riddler plot because, although as predictable as it, as it always was, I thought that the acting was good and the writing was good, and I, that was a thrilling way to end the show, I think. So overall, overall I, I started off kind of bad, but it turned out to be a pretty good episode. You know how kind of around episode six or seven last year, it felt like the writing staff were just going, oh, you know what, I'm bored of just like these two sides in the gang war and the GCPD, this. let's throw it all out the window, let's have... Uh, attempting to uh, arrest Moroni and everyone, uh, or Falcone, I forget which one's which. This felt like a bit <laughs> of, right, let's just throw everything up in the air. And they were both bad to... stereotypes. Yeah, but one was John Doman, so that's good. Um, but it just felt like, yeah, it, let's not have a status quo, let's keep things moving, let's keep things uh, unpredictable. And I really liked how that played out across here. Uh, 
I really like um, Bridget as Firefly. I thought she was an excellently written character. That the, the uh, you could tell where the plot was going to go with her, but it was done very well. Um, and it was for me. It was the moment when she saw the fuel spurting out of the hose and then made a choice to carry on far, even though she knew what was going to happen. I thought that was really important for her to do. And yeah, I just really, really liked this and where it left things at the end kind of uh, suggests that you, well, it shows you can't really predict this show in terms of its big plotting. No, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I did not like the opening scene with Butch, you know, going to Galavan and like, you know, his two, you know, moles behind him, like, oh, I don't know. And for some reason, because it's Gotham, we have to have this senator being hung, which raises the question, like, I said this last week, that Galavan is being very, very stupid in how he does his secret evil plan. How is he getting because, away with all this? Right, like, he's, <laughs> he's showing so many people his face. Like, what's to stop that senator from, like, you know, like, he's seen his face. They let him go. I mean, maybe he has dirt on him or something, I guess, or he's afraid of getting hung again. But I mean, he, he doesn't kidnap street rats or anything. He kidnaps like senators and mayors and like business executives. But, oh, well, um, I, but the episode really came together for me, especially like during the climax where you have the montage and, I'm not too crazy about the whole Firefly thing, but I do like the side of Selena Kyle that it brings out. And um, and as I said last week, like we're getting her involved in more than just, you know, Bruce Wayne shenanigans. And it's helping us see another side of her, you know, that like doesn't just, you know, have crushes on rich boys. So. I don't know if it's so much another side. It's kind of the same side she's always been doing. Like, I don't care, but I do care. But they're kind of pushing that along, kind of seeing like, like how far – she can be pushed in certain situations and that I like because I don't think it was so different as it was let's see where this character goes in certain situations oh and I didn't well, mention this in our little like th- four paragraph like recap um, at the very end like uh, they go to Indian Hill which is that um, like secret Indian burial ground from last season that we were all wondering about yes and, all like, of us only <laughs> 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 I asked the producers at like San Diego, like, are you ever going to resolve that thing? They say, yes, we promise this year. Trust us. Put the gun the down. Break. <laughs> before the Christmas break. I also begged them to give Ben McKenzie an apartment because he's like been a homeless cop. But uh, one of you was about to, to say something. To the uh, place he shares with Barbara. I wouldn't want to go back there. But that wasn't his place. Think. It would be so dusty. But that but that wasn't his apartment, though. Well, was I was the staying there the entire time. Oh, I don't know. It was just the place he randomly turned up every now and again and would go, oh, it's been a bad day at work and Barbara would be standing there in her nightdress even though she was supposed to be a doctor or something. (laughs) Yeah, that never happened. (laughs) The pre-series group where they said, oh, and here's Gordon's wife and she's like this amazing doctor and we never saw her outside of her nighty in the first ten episodes. Or outside the house. (laughs) She was in Falcone's kitchen once. One day. She made the (laughs) most legitimately stupid move in the entire season, which was she sent out to Gotham so she doesn't get shot by gangsters, so she goes to the head gangster's house to say, Please! Don't shoot me! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but, what what were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) One day she will be the mother of Batgirl, maybe. (laughs) No, they'll do the adoption thing. It'll be so much easier. You don't have to have... Years of baby. Let's talk about Butch and uh, Hammerhand. 
<laughs> Hammerhand indeed, which uh, I, I, I guess on Walking Dead they said at one point that like they weren't going to have Rick lose his arm because like it would be too hard on the CGI. So when Butch lost his hand, I was like, all right, how are they going to cover this up the whole episode? Like you know, CGI, just have kind of pros- have been using prosthetics for years. It's The Walking Dead. Where is Rick going to get a prosthetic? Yeah. Well, like, like the actors, like, like we're the stub hand that we made in, in, in the science shop or whatever. But, but it's so much easier to just get him to wear some kind of glove with a big mallet on the end. <laughs> that was legitimately hilarious. I like how the penguin was like, oh dear. <laughs> no, it's but what, what I liked about that is how many Batman comics have you read where there's been a henchman with some weird little physical gimmick like that? Right. And you kind of realise, well, if the, if the Penguin is chopping up people like this when Bruce is only, what, 12, 13, then that's how you get so many henchmen by the time Batman turns up 10 years down the line. Should replace it with an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, like... I bet we see that before the end of the season. <laughs> if he survives that long, because good God. I thought he was dead when she, like, choked him out with that whip, but then, like, he shows up later on, like, yes, boss, everything's going according to plan until next episode. I was like, okay, he's still alive. Uh, yeah, for, for for now, it's... I I think Don said that he's glad that this didn't drag on, because, like, we had, like, you know, this whole thing last season where, oh, for, like, five episodes, Falcone's girlfriend Liza is spying on him, you know, while, um, while Penguin's spying on Maroney for Falcone, but he's also spying on Falcone for Maroney, and, you know, and Fish is spying on Falcone for and herself. Of anything. And, like, everyone's spying on everyone for episode, and no one can get caught. So I'm kind of glad that, like, you know, Butch was caught on his first day. Because, well, admittedly, that was, a... that was such a risky gamble. It, it, it was kind of like a tease for everyone who watched last year to make us go, oh, no, they're doing this again. And then subvert it by pointing out that actually Butch isn't very good at it. Galavan's much better than any crime boss we've seen in Gotham so far because he's not a cliche, a stereotype, or an idiot. Well, uh, <laughs> next episode, he kidnaps the president of the United States and lets him go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... I Butch's story wasn't the, the focus on it, but I liked that Butch got to have some decent scenes outside of the Penguin. Uh, I, I think the guy, I can't think of his name, but I think the guy that plays Butch is just lovely and can do more than the show gives him. So it's nice to see him get more to do here. Well, he does this thing that whenever someone comments on his mind, his brainwashing, he does this kind of like facial take where he kind of shakes his neck. That I meant to mention last episode, like every time um, Penguin told him to take a drink and he would say no and they would t- repeat himself. You can see him kind of, you know, shaking his head as though the the brainwaves that that Zaz messed with are telling him to do something he doesn't want to do, and that's it's actually kind of a little subtle. And it happened here when um Galavan was like threatening him with with a sister Tigress, which was again like as much as I like that actress, you know, on a on a pure lust level, I like like the way that she's written is is really campy. Like, ah, I can't wait to mess with you in this gory way, even though it's completely outside of the realms of what my character seems to be interested in. But nevertheless, like, uh, I think that, I think I agree with you, Stephen, that, like, I think the actor is giving a lot of that character that may not be on the page. I think he's doing really well, really good job. Yeah, and, uh, oh, I had a point about him. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, yeah, I do like how Barbara remembered him from last season where, you know, he almost uh, raped her before Gordon shot him. Because we mentioned that, like, last episode, and then I think it was either you and Stella or an episode prior with you and Dustin where you both said, no, 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 Butch wasn't going to rape Barbara. I rewatched that scene. He put his face, like, an inch from hers and said, have you ever been with a 
outlaw before. <laughs> I think I vaguely like, remember the... that. Yeah. What I don't remember so... is Barbara being in this episode. <laughs> Whoops! She was at the beginning, like standing behind Galahad, like, "Oh, yeah. we could put, we could put cool stuff on his hand." Like, I, I did not like that. Like, like, you know, what do you think, girls? I don't know. Like, all of a sudden, Barbara has this like just gigantic reputation of you know making decisions, and she's like, she's not done anything since uh, her Team Rocket scheme with Jerome in Episode Three. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the magician's assistant. I don't know, something. If Butch gets there around, then we get to see lots of different attachments for his hand, and I think they could have some really weird fun with that. You know the way that, that Gotham has that gothic tinge to it that doesn't quite fit in any sort of established history or reality? They could go with that. Now give him a steampunk hand. <laughs> like, like a Final Fantasy VII sword or something like that. As funny as it would be for him to have different stuff on his hand that I could make fun of every week on the podcast, like, I can't believe they did this. Part of it is just so ridiculous, like, season one S Gotham, that, like, seeing that, <laughs> see, seeing that, like, fake mallet on his hand, which, like, by the way, <laughs> I'm sorry, wouldn't that be, like, really, really hard to constantly be lifting all the time? Sure. Like, wouldn't, He's wouldn't a he big straight... guy. <laughs> I guess. Well, but, like, but I, think, I think that they kind of saved it just about when when Penguin comments on how goofy it is. Like they don't they're not pretending that that's anything dignified. <laughs> He's just kind of like, wow, um, yeah, uh, wow. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, I was talking the I think it was Don on the phone or something or maybe it was in text and I think like I, when I was saying Butch it auto corrected to bitch. Um, and I was like, oh, actually, it's funny because Butch really is like everyone's bitch. He's like Fish's he bitch, really and then is. like Penguin's bitch, and now Galavan's bitch. Well, uh, Gal- Galavan makes a bitch of anybody who comes in contact with him because, like, he did that with <laughs> he did that with Penguin immediately. He did oh, that. Yes. With, he did it with, with Jerome at the last second. Would you believe he's doing that with Bruce Wayne? He's doing it with Jim Gordon. Like he's he's kind of just like kind of. <laughs> the big boss in this entire... I mean, he I think he is actually very effective in what he's doing. Yes, he's fairly brazen in randomly uh, kidnapping government officials and torturing them, but he is, I mean, in fairness, he is getting away with it somehow. So, you can't be mad at him. And, I, I you know, talking about Penguin this episode, because it's kind of related to the whole Butch thing, what did we think of, you know, where this is, which really, it's just moving, you know, a closer step, you know, from last week, which was him making the vow that his mother would be found. Which, did they did they even like do new footage of uh, Kimmy Schmidt's landlady in that TV thing, or was it just like the same security? I was wondering. Well, they, week? they credited her, so <laughs> did she, could she see him on the, on the television or not? I I was wondering. I, if she I don't could. think she can see him, but no. like. It's it, it looked like the exact same footage from like the other week or whenever it was that like Penguin saw her on the TV. She spends the entire like day running around looking sad, as though the director tells her to do that. In fact, <laughs> a small room with a bed in. How how much variation can you get out of that? It's like the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> Maybe she's sitting on the bed, or like Butch unfortunately catches her on the toilet. That would a be unfortunate. A sight that he can never unsee, or she's reading, or like doing push-ups to get herself jacked, or. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we could talk more about it when we talk about like the preview for next week, but it looks yeah, like, I, uh, you know, Penguin is, I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Penguin because we still have like a whole season left. So it's not like he and Galavan can have this like final showdown. I was really excited just like when they were like kind of gearing up, like, ah, Butch, your loyalty has served you well. And I always said this is a trap. I was like, I don't want the episode to end. I want to find out what, like, you know, 
what kind of dashly Rube Goldberg scheme that he's going to walk into. Do you think that like they've already killed his mom and like this just repeated footage that they hold on to? Oh, that would be so cruel. Oh, your mom's been dead for like weeks. That would that that would be pretty. I mean, that would be that would be a really good twist. But like like the pig. Penguin would, would, would go berserk, as we all know. I mean, he it doesn't take him very much to like, kill somebody or, or chop off their hand randomly anyway, so he would probably like explode and take the entire building with him. We never like resolved that whole thing with him and his mom from last season where uh, she's like, I'm not some country bumpkin. I know you crime lord. Well, that, was, that wasn't really a, a, you know, a question that needed answering. I mean, she was right. <laughs> so, like, oh, I know that, but like I, – I mean, yeah, it's it, if she died – I, I would not be terribly upset. Like, I, I like the actress and everything on on other shows, you know. Um, but like, her character on this is kind of annoying, you know. And like, always talking like this, my. I know. But if she dies, then we can't have Carol Kane and Paul Rubens in the same scene together. And why wouldn't you want that? That is true. Like, the idea that like they, they would copulate is. <laughs> Flashback. Too, too, too hideous to too hideous to think. Oh no! Oh man. Anyway, that is a very that is a very good point. Okay, she can live a little while longer. Maybe he kills her. No, kill her. <laughs> Prevent that from happening. Unless they're like a bunch of flashback uh, scenes that that she'll be in. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could deal with. <laughs> I really don't like that character. <laughs> She's always annoying me, well, and we've had we've had the countdown of death on her since like she first showed up. I, I, I think the character's fine, but you you've demonstrated that her voice really got under my skin last season. <laughs> but she's not. They sick. let her. They let her sing. Oh, can we talk about Selena? I think we should talk about Selena. Because you this was there? this was Selena's episode. Um, I kind of felt like we've not had enough Selena this year and yeah this was her episode yeah she um and i love at the end of the episode where she's like i guess at that like you know pigeon coup on the top of some building where they were at yeah. earlier about to assassinate just, leslie tompkins i love that she got to see leslie tompkins because you know in the um i think it was the ed brubaker run on catwoman where like her and leslie like had a close relationship yes and by the way like that scene with her and leslie tompkins that was the most Leslie Tompkins scene that Marina Baccarin has ever done on the show, where she's just, like, sitting there, you know, like, calmly and quietly, you know, with the gun to her face, like, you know, like, trying to, like, reach Selena's, you know, inner good person. Like, that That was the it's most like no Leslie man's Tompkins land. thing. Yeah, she, she's not – the gun didn't seem to be there for Leslie. Like, there was a the fearlessness of I, – I don't – genuinely don't believe I'm in danger here if I play this right. Um, right, and that she's like trying to reach, you know, the inner good person and everyone, you know, and like, and how like she's a pacifist in the comics who like, <laughs> yeah, to, to 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 a really insane degree where well, like I think that No Man's Land issue where she's like, no, Killer Croc is not the monster Batman is. It's like, yeah, oh, I love but Batman's not a chem. Oh, like, I I love that issue. <laughs> it, was it, it was Mr. Zaz. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> no? In fairness, she was on Croc's side as well. Okay, yeah. Just remember, like, um, they're not the monsters, these serial killers. Batman is, you know, the bringer of justice. Getting back to Selena, because the, there was just so much going on with this. I liked the really reckless move she made when she and Bridget 
go to that uh, sort of weird slave auction thing for the first time. And obviously Bridget's got the mask and everything is hidden, but Selena just leaps onto the stage, lets everyone see her face. And bear in mind, she's really quite recognisable, even when she makes her hair look like Ma- uh, Moss from the IT crowd. Um, as she did in <laughs> season one. Um, I know where that is. <laughs> I, I, there was a recklessness to it that kind of mirrored Bridget's recklessness later on in the episode. I, I, I did like that scene too. Um, my first thought was, "What the hell is this?" And why are the cops t- like, like investigating? But um, you know what randomly came into my head during that bit? Do you remember? Uh, no, uh, the Black Mirror, this first Scott Snyder run with Jock, where there's the auction of all the different uh, memorabilia, billing memorabilia. Oh yeah, it reminded, of, it reminded me of that scene. Just, but there have been numerous scenes like that in Batman comics over the years. Um, but yeah, I, I really like that, and I like the physicality that um, I can never pronounce her surname. It's Cameron. Is it Bicondo? Bicondo? I, I have that same problem. I think it's called uh, B I O C O N D O V A. I don't think I've ever heard it said, so I'm not sure where the stress is coming at. But um, Cameron, uh, I'll just use that first name, like we're best mates or something. Um, yeah. She like there was the little flip over the car. I love the bit where she took the shotgun from the henchman dude. Agreed. I, I thought that I actually went back and watched it again just to see how that was done and the way that um, you know she used her gravity and momentum to bring that dude down. I thought was absolutely wonderful. Her uh, stunt double. No, she's, no, it's her. Her. She, no it's her. She's like a, a dancer, isn't she? So she's physically trained to do all that stuff. She does. She does a lot of her own stunts. It's because, like, the camera shot pulled from far away, but admittedly they could have done that because, like, so that you can get a wider you, perspective you of the shot. You if you kept in close on that, you just wouldn't have seen the full scope of what was going on. It would have been very confusing. I thought That's it was fair. the right thing to go to a wide shot. Yeah, because, I could tell it was her. Yeah, it was a very beautiful, so fluid and smooth. I, I actually watched her do that. Just before that moment, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be the bit where they actually accept that she's a small person, this dude's big, and she, he's just going to throw her or something? And then they completely subverted my expectation on that in a way that didn't have me going, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you could you could buy it in the, in the way that she did it. It wasn't like she outfought the guy. Like, she used her, you know, her actress's skills to uh, to uh, take him down. And I, th- I, th- I wish she, she would have shot him. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah. I, I think that she's one of the better actresses in this show, and the more that they develop that character, uh, the more I wind up liking. And I don't like, know if um, I agree with that. Oh, well, sorry to hear. But I, she's like a chameleon where, like, and I've said this before, like, she fits in with, like, you know, a Wayne Manor scene, a scene with Gordon, a scene with, you know, like, um, like you know, the uh, the crime bosses. Like, you could put her in almost all of these settings, you know? Like, we had her have a scene with Butch last year. In fact... I would say that she's maybe she's shared more scenes with any of the other cast members than almost all the other characters except for Gordon or Riddler. I don't. Uh, no, Riddler's never met Bruce. Or... Oh, I, I mean, I, I, she's not been with Riddler yet. <laughs> It'll happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the the season finale is going to be the United Underworld plot from, uh, <laughs> from Batman from Batman sixty six. Of like... course, we we can't forget. Um... Selena's major mutant power the ability to run from downtown Gotham to Wayne Manor and back within an episode yeah, <laughs> Wayne Manor like, like like 20 miles from Gotham City or something no no they, they said last week it's what uh, or two weeks ago it's six point whatever miles oh yeah 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 it's that's not as bad as Smallville where like they said that Metropolis was like 
three hours away or something like that. But then, like, <laughs> to, like as the show went on, like, people were, like, living – like, Clark was, like, living in Smallville and then, like, going to work in Metropolis every day. <laughs> like, oh, oh, come on. In fairness, he is Superman. Just true. But Chloe and Lois weren't when they were doing <laughs> the same thing. Like – and like, so I remember like, it, when the writers started forgetting, it got really ridiculous. I know this is a tangent, <laughs> but like, there, there was an episode where Lana like was at college in Metropolis and she went to see Clark on the farm and they had a fight and she went back to her college dorm and then Lex called her. So she went back to Luther Mansion and someone like tracked how many hours of driving like Lana would have done that episode. <laughs> and, and it was ridiculous. Awesome. <laughs> There was a, a Superboy punch that just removed the two and a half hours between the Metropolis and Smallville. Yeah, did that happen after Infinite Crisis? Because if it did, don't worry about it. I, I, um, I just tell myself that there was a huge body of water that you had to drive around that made it uh, three hours, <laughs> and they just eventually built a bridge. Um, I want to go actually talk about back, back, back to Selena because, like, uh, I, don't, I think that Cameron being Cadova is a good actress. I mean, she can be called to cry or whatever. I think. I said this earlier. I think that like they hit a lot of the same emotional beats with with uh, her character. That like, uh, we, we, there's not a f- as full of range of emotions that I think they're giving the character as the, as Bruce Wayne's scene. Like, I like the scene early in, on the rooftop where like she says, "Oh, I'm glad that you care about me. I don't care about you." Then she walks away. Then she comes back and hugs her. I thought that was very nice. But usually, she's always kind of putting this, this very transparently false front of being a tough kid. And look, kid. Yeah, I, I think that, like, I, I liked it at the end of the scene because you saw her really, really upset, and it wasn't her yeah. faking it. It wasn't her, like, you know, trying to put on airs to, to impress somebody. And I think that, like, they, too often it's usually the other way around. So I think that but she's a good was, actress, but... I, oh, so go ahead. They had a really nice way of setting Bridget up as someone who mattered to Selena. Right. Because Bridget knew her from before she was the, the tough, punky street kid. What, what was it they said in the previous episode? Like, Bridget was the one who'd been there... To help to look for a mother or something. I forget exactly what the detail no, that, of that That's exactly was. what she said, yeah. yeah. Like, she's like, I saw you looking for your mother with your crying snot nose every that's week, it. so don't pull this tough kid stuff on me. And so I really, I like how that relationship was set up. I agree. <laughs> I, 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 like, I like that actress who played Bridget as well. I thought that she was yeah. um, clearly older. But uh, she, she did a good job, and I didn't care for her haircut, but I liked how crazy she looked at the end. Her big eyes and stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. She kind of resonates in the same way that I'm finding over on the on the Flash that the actress who plays Patty is resonating really well. I just hope the writers really support that. She just fitted in very very well into the world and the relationships that she needed to have. And it was yeah, I thought she did a, a great job. And I'm pleased to see that she's not dead. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. I, didn't, I, I thought that that was a natural end to her story, but I was pleasantly surprised that she did die. Although she's clearly going to look like you know a million times different. After all those skin grafts. Maybe she, maybe she could be Jane Doe. Well, isn't... My question is... And, uh, actually, this is a good point, but, like, uh, at one point, didn't Garfield Lenz burn his skin and, like, you know, wasn't his suit stuck to it? Like, when they when they gave her exposition about what's going on with her, I thought that was actually what happened to the original... Or the actual Firefly, so... Maybe this is just this version of Firefly. It probably happened at some point. I've not read a huge number of Firefly stories, but it never seems that important, the dude under the suit... It was more that there were fires and this guy could fly and set fires. Well, he, he does have a psychological kink where, like, he is in love with seeing fire, but well, yeah, fairness, fairness, he's, he's not. Yeah, but he's he's not like an often seen character. But I I feel that like I've heard 
or read somewhere that at one point what happened to her, like, you know, the suit burning to her skin, what happened to him? I mean, I don't really mind because he's not my favorite Batman villain, but uh, it was an interesting connection that I, I kind of recalled somewhere else. I think um, listening to your episode last week and there was a discussion of was it right that she – the Firefly in this show is a, a female. And it, I, I was just listening going, I don't think it matters at all because the, really. the important thing is the it's the method of what, what the character does rather than uh, who's underneath that. So as long as you can then create an interesting story around that person to justify having it on TV. Because do you remember when they did Firefly and Arrow? Um, oh. That was a <laughs> – it was a very one-note thing. It, obviously, it was Arrow in the first season, so it was basically, it was a firefighter who'd been left for dead by mistake and was taking revenge on his buddies, his former crew, and he was basically wearing... A <laughs> what the heck, a, man? They made a mistake! <laughs> he, he was basically wearing a flame-retardant bodysuit like the firefighters do when they go run into the buildings. So he was wearing a version of that, so it was very low-key. It wasn't a bad single episode, but it was very clearly a villain who was going to be there for a week and then be gone. So I, I really like how they handled that here in terms of actually making you give a crap about the person under the suit. Making the suits work on screen. I mean, let's talk about the bit where she put the goggles on and burnt her brothers, and the way oh, that yeah. the two brothers were reflected in the goggles I thought was really creepy. It was a very comic booky kind of thing in a good way. Oh, yeah. And in a way that it didn't have that ring of, you think of like the Spider-Man movies when something's reflected in the mask and it's so clearly an effect that's been put on top. This... Spider-Man 1 where like Mary Jane and the children all fall. And, like, <laughs> I was just yeah. thinking of that. <laughs> but this one, yes, obviously it's an effect. They didn't just set two dudes on fire and then line her up. To, but it felt far more natural than that than it did in those films. And those guys had it coming. I hated those guys. Yeah, they, they, they were did not realize that they were dead until like the last minute. They're like, ha, uh, <laughs> like you're really going to burn us. And I really, I like those guys last year. Put that they, thing they, down they and make us a sandwich. A kind of way. The what? Uh, they made me laugh last week in a kind of crappy way, like during the heist bits. Um, they, they made, yeah, I didn't laugh and go, oh, these guys are the best. It was like, their, their dickishness is making me laugh a bit. I hope they get something. And they, boy, did they. Yeah, they were really asking for it. And, like, and like, they, they, they turned to Jesse Peakman and like, the last words, like, with my dying breath, I say, bitch. Blah. <laughs> it's like, okay. And I like how Bully kicked him to death. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the part where it's like, great, now they're not alive. And he's like, are you kidding me? You think you think my kicks did this? <laughs> no, great, now they're not alive. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what was it that Gordon said? Like, like, like now they can't, like... Like, 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 good job, funny, or good job, bully. <laughs> <laughs> funny, what? <laughs> Doug all of a sudden? <laughs> are you trying to Roger Claus for a second? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> great going, Harvey. Yeah, it wasn't me, it was a fire. It wasn't me stopping his lungs in. But uh, never. And, uh, no, 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 they leave the scene without calling the cops. Like, oh, those are the leading corpses here to rot and not worry about it. Like, what the well, hell? I'm sure. I'm sure that um, you know, once they got in the car, they radioed for someone. We just didn't see it. Were they, mean, are they supposed to stay there? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Captain Barnes continues to keep his promise to Lee to keep the corpses, you know, flowing in. So oh, I want to you know, talk about that. I really liked him in this episode because uh, we're in the beginning. You see Gordon acting all macho, Clint Eastwood cop. We're like, you know, I can do whatever I want. And then Barnes was like, hell no, you can't. I, I, I actually <laughs> really like that because you think that Barnes is going to be this kind of, like, you know, tough guy, lockup style cop. But he does legitimately stick to his code and he doesn't play favorites with Gordon. And this, this is something that Gordon, at the end of the day, wants 
to happen anyway. So I thought that was a very cool moment for him. And I yeah. like Sarah, and I miss Sarah, but Sarah, like, never had that kind of commanding presence towards Jim. I think she would have done if she hadn't, you know, eaten lead. I think as it gone on with her efforts to support him, he would have had that greater respect for what she had to say. Um, but I, my, I, he, Michael Chiklis is working so well within Gotham. When his um, casting was announced, I was like, okay, yep, that's a good addition. And I'm liking its character isn't one that I can call how he's going to react in the scenes. Well, he's, he's somebody that, like like you say, fits in the world, and so, I mean, it's kind of like Donald Logan, like, oh, that's, that's really good casting, and we're seeing, like, you know, them use his character to great effect. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm still cynical with this show. I don't know how long he's going to survive, or, or shown to be a good guy, but thus far, I mean, they're using they're using him well, and I, and I hope that he lasts the entire season. My hope is that they continue using him well, but don't marginalized Bullock as a result of it I'm feeling like we're just not I, I love Bullock I think he's being really well played but he just seems to be marginalized this year I liked his little scene with um with Pepper is it is that a name Pepper uh, Ivy yeah, Pepper I, yeah Ivy Pepper Poison Poison Ivy I, I yeah I know I know I I, I know <laughs> I don't know how to say this without being mean but that that actress I I really hope that she improves over time. And I feel like that's why her character has been marginalized a lot. You know, like why we didn't see as much of her last year as they originally thought we were going to. But See, I was surprised when she came back. I, you know, she was in that first episode and then we didn't see her for so long. I thought, oh, this was just a tease in the way that they stuffed that first episode full of references and characters. But I, I guess I with Poison Ivy, you, you can't do too much. It's not like... Um, Enigma where you can show his descent into madness and stuff like that. What are you going to have at the age of 12 she suddenly gets sprayed with chemicals and can control plants? That's something they can't go with. Well, I say that it wouldn't surprise me actually if they did. Well, it's one of those things that like in the beginning of the series like, as much as I like the pilot it was like, what do you mean Riddler and Poison Ivy are here? Like, it, it, it did feel a bit too much. That's kind of a big criticism with Gotham is that like there are so many characters who either shouldn't be around so much or have no business being anywhere near Gotham at this point in time but since they're doing their own thing you kind of get over it but I, I agree like I thought that like uh, we should be going the way of Montoya and Allen, but she showed up for a cameo in this episode I feel like um, they had bigger plans for her at the beginning of the series because when they had those uh, character cards promoting the show before it aired like it would be like you know before you know Riddler and you'd see Riddler and before you know um Alfred, you see Alfred, and like she, like her face was like right there with everyone else's. Before Alfred, Alfred's be- there. He's <laughs> but before he became Alfred, Alfred, this is back when he was still Alfred Beagle and not Alfred. Yeah, but- <laughs> that, that was quite literally. I bear in mind it's cast. That was quite literally sleight of hand. It's focus on this thing so that you don't see the actor Harvey Dent coming or. Or, or um, the pseudo joke or anything like that. <laughs> he, he was signed on as a series regular for season two. We have yet to see him. That was something I was thinking. Um, yeah, yeah, they made a, big, a bit of a fuss about that, but at the same time, and the actress who played Montoya like sent him a tweet saying like, "Congratulations! I'm glad to see that some people are like." And I'm paraphrasing this, and maybe it's more snarky in my reading of it. But she was like, "Oh, glad to see that you're one of the people who gets to come back," or like something like that. Where like reading between the lines, like she's like disappointed that she didn't get to come back, but he did. Yeah, um, I, I, mm. 
him not being in it, I kind of like because it means they're not forcing him into it before they're ready for the story. Like he's suddenly there in every episode going, oh, hey, I'm just here to represent this scumbag just to get his face in the episode to justify the credit. So when he eventually turns up, there'll be a point to him turning up rather than fulfilling a contractual obligation. Sorry, I couldn't say that word for a second there. I agree because that's one thing that this season has done very well is um, like leaving certain characters out if they're not integral to the story. Like there was an episode recently where we didn't have Bruce and an episode prior to that. that was last we week, yeah. Yeah, like there's one where we didn't have Penguin either. So because um, last year there was just like we'd we'd have to include every single character. And it just meant that like if their plot didn't do anything, you'd have like Fish saying the Butch, Falcone is a weak old man and we're going to take him down soon. But not yet. First, let's talk about it for a few more weeks. You know, and then that god awful um, Dollmaker Island. There were a few Bruceless episodes and some gang bossless episodes, and that great run towards the end where Fish didn't turn up for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I quite liked her at the start, but by the end of the season, I mean, especially in that last episode where he's like, What the hell happened here? She had a haircut for some reason. Apparently, getting shot gives you a haircut. Yeah, and she then. <laughs> touched up the shaving just before she climbed up onto the roof or wherever the finale took place and got the studs that reminded me as a British person of Vivian from The Young Ones, but that's a reference that I guarantee is not flying with you guys right now. Um, talking you would of, be right. Talking of actors and actresses who may not be around in future episodes, should we talk about Nigma and his date? You know what? We haven't talked about it yet, so yeah, let's uh, Miss Kringle, your poor life choice is caught up with you. Um, you know she was going to die the moment you saw her. <laughs> now that being said, I am surprised that it happened like as quickly as it did. I thought that I don't. I don't know. I thought that maybe she had you know like maybe the rest of this season in her or something like that. I thought that like so, like 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 let, last let episode. Me, there... Let me just confound your expectations here, because on the Wikipedia. Um, synopsis of the episode. Uh, the sentence reads, in an attempt to keep Kringle from telling anyone, Nigma accidentally strangles her, putting her in critical condition. So, what? so Wikipedia's suggesting she's not as dead as we're all clearly thinking she is. Just saying. As we all know, Wikipedia is always oh. right, never wrong. Just saying. Well, I mean, this, this is less than 24 hours after broadcast, and it, there's a very good chance that in half an hour's time that's been edited. But There, there, there is every reason to not, like... Think that, that because like, what were the? She's actually alive. It's just like the entire scene where he thinks she's dead. It was fake. <laughs> He's gonna keep her locked in the apartment until she swears not to tell anyone or something. Or like, um, that, would, that would actually be horrible. I mean, he, he was cradling her body. It's I don't. Uh... Riddle me this: okay. What's got two eyes, one nose, but no breath? <laughs> oh no! Well, I thought that like I, that like uh, he he could have had a chance to resuscitate her, but like I guess he never tried, and she died anyway because like she wasn't choked very long. But I guess it was enough force. That that is what I thought too. Like, yeah. oh, that's enough to kill her. Okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I I, um, I wonder if we'll open up the next episode with her coming round, as it were, and him having to. Because, I mean, he's almost got the let off if she's dead right now, because the only consequences he has to deal with is getting rid of the body, which, in fairness, he's quite practiced at, and then kind of dealing with the fact that she's no longer around at work. And he's the, the, the second head enigma is probably good enough to coast him through for a few months and that. But if she then wakes up and he rationally, as he can get, has to deal with the fact that she knows what he's done, what he's just done. 
that she loses her kids. memory. <laughs> Who am I? You're my wife. <laughs> well, actually, oh, like, awesome. yeah, there's a few places they could go with that because if she is in critical condition and he tries to save her, he takes her to the hospital. And on the one hand, he's like, oh, man, I hope she pulls through. But on the other hand, if she pulls through, what if she tells people on me? And then, you know, there's obviously an investigation where it's like it appears that, you know, like her throat's been throttled and they're like, you know, ha- like who did this anyway? He's like, oh, it was uh, ah, a, b- well, a bunch of Leslie doing the investigation. Just sort of I know exactly. contrasting with where they've been going over the last couple of episodes. I know exactly where, how to figure this out. Go to Chelsea Spack's Twitter and see if she says goodbye, Kringle, or she says tune in next time. I'm not gone yet. <laughs> Or something like that. And because otherwise, this is ridiculous. Then, like, She's dead. She could wake so up from awesome. the coma. And then, like, you know, like... <laughs> and maybe he smothers her with a pillow after, like, you know, <laughs> thinking about it for a few weeks. Or, or like in the Avengers 2 uh, DVD <laughs> where, like, uh, you see... Or she, fa- she feigns amnesia. <laughs> it's a blur. Her, all I'd do is I'd, I'd tweet Kringle's last line from this episode at the time it was said on screen. And I wouldn't tweet anything for four or five days. I'd just leave it at that. <laughs> Man, I uh, does, does she have a Twitter? Is anyone in front of a computer? Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. I remember like last year, she and the uh, Riddler's actor were like making like these goofy selfies together. Go. Cool. <laughs> so I don't have Twitter, but uh, I, I can always like look it up. Should I choose to? You should choose to while we're while we're here right now. Um. So and that montage that followed that, I thought was uh, I like it when Gotham does. I love that any montage because. Um, Gotham's music choices at times are utterly insane and uh, I think border on brilliance occasionally and this was one of those where it just really really worked to tie everything together and that low shot of Riddler at the end I, I, it was very exciting too Chelsea's Spack's Twitter there's a picture with her and Marina McCarran and her and goofy like Chelsea Spack or, uh, or oh yeah because they did have day. that double date last year uh, uh, season uh, no last episode <laughs> a- whoops a picture of her and like uh, uh, the actor who plays Riddler, like just just kind of after after a shooting, hashtag I forgive you, hashtag near far wherever you are, hashtag Gotham, um, near far wherever see. you are, <laughs> okay, Titanic. Uh, Corey Michael Smith is the actor's name. I should, I should yeah. say, uh, not much after that though. Just uh, pictures. Oh, apparently, like they t- t- he he and she took a picture with Ivy's actress. And there's nothing else. I must, it must be said though, like, like, like you know, we we ragged on Kringle because it was easy. Her, her character's choice is really, but I, I like that character. And I, I like the actress a lot, and I think that like I'm glad that they killed her this way rather than have them have like you know useless dates for like another 20 episodes. But at the same time, I guess it, I, I guess I it would have been spinning their wheels. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I at the same time, I am I can be sorry to see her go while while also not. Well, also appreciating the story itself. I think that the acting was good, and in fact, that acting in that Riddler scene, where like he's panicking and like you know, he he's not being overtly, obviously crazy evil. He's legitimately like when she says you're crazy, he's like stop, don't call me that. That's actually pretty much a, a really good Riddler line because the Riddler, as you know, as as insane as he is, doesn't like being called. Insane. I was and right I that about that was you really... all along. You know, like well, why'd you go to bed with him five minutes ago? Mm. Well, she's wanting to know if he had a bedroom, you know, so she could just like, lay down and I guess some stuff. Which, the, the beginning of that episode, by the way, like I thought that they were going in a different direction. It looked like a plot for like that '70s show where like Riddler over here is, you know, um, her telling uh, Lee, Lee Tompkins like, "Oh, I wish Ed was more of a tough boy." So he like spends the whole episode trying to be a tough boy, and then at the end, Eric and Donna are like, "Oh, Eric, no, the reason why I like you is because you're not a tough boy." 
you know, and then everything goes back to normal, and Red says dumbass. Like, <laughs> and then you see you transition with Alfred and, and Bruce like dancing to seventies music. <laughs> I could see uh, this is Bruce and Bell Bottoms. All I can say is I I finished watching My White House American Summer first day of camp last night, and all I can imagine is that Nigma and Kringle having sex for the first time is like uh, Joe Latrulio having sex with his girlfriend in that last episode, where he just rolls on top of her, then rolls off again, going, "Goes, oh, that was great." <laughs> Oh, take that, Corey Michael Smith. <laughs> this must be what the audience feels like every time Stella and I like reference Downton Abbey or like Walking Dead or something like that. <laughs> well, well I, I got the visualization. <laughs> I've gotten, how can you not like it? I've gotten so little of these references tonight. Or I'm saying tonight. We're recording this during the day. You know, very uh, twenty past seven here. It's night. Well, I, I guess there's probably one major thing we need to talk about in this episode, which is that little tease at the end where Wayne Enterprise have got lots and lots of... De- I mean, they've got this underground lair where they're doing stuff with the various villains. Did I see It reminds Killer me Croc? of Smallville with, uh, what was it, what they call it, like, level... Five, no, level five was heroes. Like, was oh, it like, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Um, um, uh, something eighty-eight, like or, level thirty-three yeah. or something, or. Oh, I, I remember because in, in that Justice League episode in season six, like like Green Arrow's, like we must shut down Lex's something 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 projects. Yeah. So, but um, did I see Killer Croc in the background in one of those? Holy crap! Was he there? There was a dude. Strapped, he looked big and he was strapped up against the big board. He was just as the camera was going down. And I thought, that doesn't look quite human. Is that a killer croc? I was trying to figure out if those were season one villains. <laughs> like, like that one girl. I was I like, oh, is she the spirit goat girl? Like, it's. I couldn't. Oh, yeah, but, like, I didn't see anyone, like, recognizable. Like, I didn't see, like, a guy playing with balloons or, like, you know. You know, it's funny that, like, uh, I watched the. I watched the, uh, Supergirl pilot. <laughs> Balloon Man comes back. Balloon Man is referenced almost every episode. I, I, I imagine that, uh, that episode is, is just held up as God was Here's what we don't do. Like, the point where, even if they have a birthday party, no one's allowed to have a balloon there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so someone got to blow one up and there's just a straight away it's a bear <laughs> um it's funny it's like like I, I saw the supergirl pilot right after this so like um, well like there's a similar scene of like like uh villains and it kind of i was kind of misremembering which show came from which i was like oh yeah gotham did that too so <laughs> that's right well uh we could talk about it, or unless we have something else to say, level thirty. We, we should talk about the whole Supergirl time slot, and will it kill Gotham? But uh, do, do we have anything more to say well, about uh, Indian the- Hill first? Which is the, uh, I guess it was good Like, does Galavan have something to do? Because he kidnapped. I mean, I'm assuming that this is the evilness that like Thomas Wayne was trying to fight against. That maybe Vunderslaw was a part of, and like. Oh. <laughs> More shit that I don't care about. <laughs> um, it's possible. I mean, I mean, like, how long has this going, been going on? And was he really like murdered for this? It's to be honest, like, and maybe like the audience would feel cheated if this happened. But I would prefer that, like, after Bruce solves this mystery, you just find out that, like, you know, even though his dad was involved in all this crazy stuff, the Wayne murder was just a random mugging and like not a. Well, yeah, like, like the Batman, the, the Batman Earth One. Graphic novel story, which I like. It, w- it wasn't uh, some like mass conspiracy. Uh, it 
I, I had to think about that for a sec. I, uh, I, the first volume I wasn't so keen on, but the second one I thought was great. Mm-hmm. I, I like both, but the second one was amazing. Mm-hmm. I have not read the second one yet, but Don like tells me that it's like really good slash shocking. So um, yeah, Stella, uh, Ed, and I did a podcast on that. I won the first one at San Diego Comic Con when I went up to. Um, I think it was like Jim Lee and Dan DiDio, and I asked them like. They shut you up with yeah. the graphic novel. I said, "How on earth could Tim Drake have never been Robin? Like, w- w- like, what does this like? What are the reasons for making a decision like this? Like, what are the benefits of erasing this from history?" And they said, "And Danadio said, yes, we know it doesn't make any sense, but that's what we're going with now. To now to give you hush money, here's a free comic, comic book." <laughs> I was like, "All right." <laughs> um, no, but I, I thought this was a good episode. Uh, Better than the last couple of been. This this is actually a return to form from the beginning of the season, and I think that I, I'm very excited. I'm legitimately excited to see what happens next. Yeah, it, it's got that feeling. I guess almost like at the end of the sixth episode of last year when Penguin walked into GCPD, and you was like, "Okay, did not think this was going to happen this quickly. What's going to happen?" You've got that real anticipation for what's happening next week, and I like. Oh that. yeah. That was one thing, like, Gotham had some issues last year, but I would say that most of their pacing stuff, like, did surprise me, like, when they when they tell Penguin never to come back to Gotham, and he came back, like, two episodes two later at later, Jim Gordon's yeah. score. Yeah, I was like, okay, if this was, like, Smallville, you know, like, and I love Smallville, but if this was Smallville, like, he would have been gone for, like, most of the season or something like that, and we wouldn't have seen him, so, uh, you know, they do good with surprising. Um um, so now Gotham has some competition from the DC universe because on ABC they've chosen to air Supergirl on the because Arrow and Flash don't count as competition. Yeah, but they're, <laughs> but they're not airing on like the same they're like not same time night. same time slot. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. If you want to see your incest on the Flash, then you just you know <clears> like wait wait a day or two. And don't forget that um, this is network television and the overnights are still ridiculously important even though so many people are watching time shifted <laughs> and oh yeah we we're just getting word the the full overnights haven't been released yet but we're just getting word that supergirls had something like 14 million viewers overnight which is the biggest uh pilot viewing since v in yeah she's on crazy good yeah, it, it's it's two million more than agents of shield got and agents of shield was supposed to be the sort of the killer superhero show which is now barely pulling half a million more than the flash oh <laughs> i mean that's what I, i'm not really you... I'm, I'm not really big on agents of shield but like you know i, I don't like things to fail <laughs> a year and a half of watching agents of shield with maybe two good episodes in that and i was like you know what screw you uh, <laughs> I, I watched it and I enjoyed the episodes that I watched, but like I was never in a rush to like finish the first season. And it's been like maybe eight or nine months since I've tried to get through the first season again. And you know, like I said, while I'm engaged while I'm watching it, I'm I'm not really driven to like, oh man, you know, let me you know see what happens next to Agent Ward and Agent Sky and Agent May and friends. If I want to watch a Marvel Cinematic Universe television show, I'll stick with Daredevil. Thank you. For everything that can be said about Gotham's plotting over the year and a bit that's been on the TV, at least you can say it's its own plotting. It's not doing a thing of, oh, I've got to wait 15 weeks to do a big plot thing because we've got a time of the movie and just losing <laughs> all its agency and momentum at the same time. Gotham has 
owned itself from the start, for better or for worse. But um, that's true. We, we, we have digressed slightly. Supergirl, <laughs> yes, is potentially going to be a huge drain on the viewers because there is a certain shared audience because there are comic book fans, regardless of age or gender, who want to see characters and concepts that they like on screen. And frankly, Supergirl is looks like it's going to be a big success for whatever network it's on. I don't know, I'm British. ABC. If it's not ABC, then it's just not important. CBS. I thought it was ABC. No, ABC ABC is owned by Disney. Oh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> I, I know that. CBS. <laughs> Take that, Josh. You fool. <laughs> so, yeah, see, yeah. I, I explained to Don the concept of Nielsen ratings, like, a few, like, a month or two ago, and, like, because he, he didn't realize, like, what it was and how like and how outdated it is and like how unfair it is and and well, watching it, it shocked yeah it shocked him yeah because like because the Nielsen ratings were like a big problem for community and the, so uh, well the, the, uh, the one is the life plus seven isn't it once you've had your your people who DVR it your people who watch it online or through whatever um, catch up services there are or even on the website which is I said online, yeah. So that's how Gotham ends up with sort of roughly about three million more views than the overnights. Well, Gotham, like their ratings are getting lower and lower. And like last week's episode was uh, their lowest rated Nielsen one. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Like, yeah. Let, let me just read to you some three. numbers uh, from Wikipedia. Okay, so no, their no, US. Oh yeah, <laughs> their U.S. viewers in the millions. Their pilot got um, eight point twenty one, and I'm assuming that that's like you know that's maybe uh, yeah the, okay, so that's the overnights, and then um, you know they kind of dropped you know to seven to six throughout the season, and then after um, Spirit of the Goats for Penguin's Umbrella, they got back from five to six again, and then they kind of stayed in the six range. Oh, and they got to seven in that um. Rogues Gallery episode. Which one was that? That's oh, that's that's the electrocutioner. Okay, but then they were back in the sixes, dipped into the fives. Uh, when Jerome came, they got to the sixes again. So they kind of whoa, <laughs> and then they dropped. Okay, so everyone has a cobble pot. They were six point ten, and then they took a break for a month. And when they got back, it was four point five. And they did not get back up to five um, the rest of that season. What and in this season, for a, a lot of network shows, that's what will happen when they take that break to gear up for the that last run, including the sweeps. They will take a hit on that. Right. How does that compare to Flash? Flash debuted at uh, just under five million. It hovers around the three and a half million. This is overnights. Um, Agents of Shield in this year is doing between. Eight, its lowest point, it was only about 200,000 overnights more. And this is assuming Nielsen's are spot on. So there's obviously a margin of error. And it does about 4 million. So it's less than Gotham at the moment. How that will play out, we'll see. And this, is, what about, this has been like a fight um, for years to like overhaul the Nielsen system to like, you know, include things like DVD sales, Hulu, Netflix... What about uh, uh like Constantine was canceled? Like what? What was the killing point for that show? Oh, what, which reading it was low. It depends it was on like what the network three, is. Two to three million. The problem was it was the cost. Um, give me. A, uh, it was it was on a more expensive network, and they couldn't justify doing the show because like it, it sounds like it's a, like slightly less uh, ratings. And I know that uh, cheaper shows are made on the CW, which is why Flash and Arrow are survived with lower ratings. So Constantine debuted with just over four million and hovered around three to three and a half. 
um, for the money that was put into it and the fact that it was on NBC, that wasn't enough. Whereas the CW, which is uh, basically seemed to be a loss-making venture for Warner Brothers, it's not in it to win it on the overnights, basically. Um, but that it, it was doing less than The Flash. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of how it's going to affect me personally, um, I watched a lot of Gotham Live last season, you know, because my gym was able to, like, uh, like show Fox on the machines. But this year I'm working on Monday nights, so I don't watch Gotham until, um, you know, I get home and I use a, a service that records it to watch it totally legally. And, uh, I mean, so it airing at the same time as Supergirl isn't going to affect me because I'm not going to be able to watch either of them live unless my Monday night schedule changes slightly. So it's we're in a completely different era now of, of TV where, like, two shows airing at the same time doesn't have to be, you know, like, mean that you choose one or the other. Unfortunately, the way that they, you know, catch ratings has not evolved to that stance yet. So it'll I mean, do you um, think that the – oh, go ahead. There'll always be your ratings juggernauts that just hoover up viewers, things like NCIS, which I think is probably the biggest show in America, and that just has people watching. How that sits within the demographics, though, is different, because it, I, I can see NCIS because of its formula, formulating age, because of its long-running status. That's a show that lots of people of lots of different ages will tune into. But as far as the advertiser are concerned and the network's concerned, it's that very... Was, was it 18 to... What's the bracket? I don't know these things off the top of my head. Uh, it's like 18 or 40, yeah. I think. That's who they're trying to get to watch shows like Gotham, like Supergirl, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I do think that the audience, you know, for Gotham is the same audience for Supergirl. Like, I know that there's going to be some overlap with, the, you know, people like us and the comic fans, but, you know. Supergirl's more of a family show. I yeah. can see I can see casual viewers from Gotham being lured to the newer, more exciting thing. And I can see it taking a hit in the ratings. Um, whether that will then continue with the plus seven. So the, the key thing to look at is when you're looking at your ratings laid out on Wikipedia is that last column where it adds in DVR and plus seven and seeing what happens there. And if those continue to stay strong, then the show will do better. But if, if we also see those dip as well. I mean, my hope is that the, the, the strong start Gotham has had to its second season is something that resonates with people eventually. Even though they've had a strong start writing wise, the ratings have uh have just been falling though, so Yeah. Uh <laughs> we'll see if word amount is anything. I mean, and it's it's very, very rare that like ratings will go up in the middle of the season unless they do some like weird stunt casting, like, you know. <laughs> they bring Christian Bale on as Thomas Wayne, even though we already had a Thomas Wayne. Oh, I would why oh, yeah. well, you, you look at the stunts that they do for Agents of Shield, which are basically the big tines to the movies, they are Nick Fury. Hey guys, well, no, you I'm like Thor, about... right? Well, we have the next best thing, Sif. So, the, the, well, the, the specific Thor tie-in episode, which was marketed as a tie-in to Thor The Dark World, and the Hail Hydra episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are two of the lowest rated of the first season, because if you aren't planning to see the movie that opening weekend, then you don't want to get spoiled. And it, you, if you'd have watched that, uh, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode without Ooh, seeing Captain America point. The Winter Soldier, then that's the big twist of the movie. That's the momentum of the uh, second half of that movie just taken out from under you. So people deliberately don't watch that. And it turns out that actually tying in isn't the best thing at all. Plus those tines are tenuous as hell. The Thor the Dark World tie was literally, hey, here's two minutes of the cast on one of the sets tidying up and then we're off to do our own thing. 
Um, and the, was that the age one of Ult- with Peter McNichol. Yeah. And the Age of Ultron time was basically at the end of the episode, oh, by the way, uh, we think we found where Baron Strucker is. Hey, Avengers, who we can't tell you that we exist because of reasons of you don't want to know that Phil's still alive because we're still teasing he's going to be the Vision one day. Uh, go do this. Wait, what? The, the time to Age of Ultron was the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. They found out where Baron Strucker was and set the Avengers on him at the start of Age of Ultron. Did they, did they give, uh, didn't they give Nick, spoilers for, not spoilers really, but they, did they give Fury, uh, his helicarrier at the very end of the round? No, that wasn't them. Oh, I thought that was, I thought that, that was Coulson. I, I thought, thought that, that would have been the logical, but no, they, they, they're the ones who did the, uh, the, the legwork and working out where, on where Strucker was for the start of the film. Well, I think that's, it's a decent tie-in, but, uh, I was lied to by somebody. Um, so, but what you guys are saying so so far is that like Gotham generally is the most the more the most successful comic show on right now. I, mean, I guess we're not counting Walking, Walking Dead. Dead I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, but I guess like, like of the big two, yeah. like Marvel, DC, the big two on the the main non cable networks. It was until Supergirl turned up. Okay. <laughs> uh, as of as of two days ago, it was Gotham. Like, 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 then, but does Arrow get more, more ratings than no, Flash? Do we uh, Arrow's about a million below the Flash. <laughs> I'm glad you did all this research for us, because I'd be, like, foolishly I, Googling. Yeah, I have no so, idea. So, partly because of my intense dislike of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I watched oh, ratings. <laughs> do we I have watched, someone for you to talk to? <laughs> I watched the ratings like a hawk. I'm not going to get into it, my, my long-standing for that series but I watch the ratings like a hawk and I find it amazing that this show that has everything going for it in the world from Joss Whedon doing its pilot to times with the biggest movies in the cinemas that aren't Dinosaur or uh, Furiosa related um, and it just can't get that traction and it's a phenomenally expensive show they don't know how to put that money on the screen like The Flash does and it there's going to come a point where they're only keeping it going to keep the Inhumans franchise going to please Ike Pearlmutter so they can eventually get the movie made. Well, that's my thing. Is like, I don't watch the show because not, I don't have any hate for it, but I find it annoying that, like, for a show... Granted, it's a, it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. show. You can't do any major characters, but, you know, no... no I don't know if, if Quartermain's on there, and there's, you know, obviously they can't do Dumb Dumb, but, like, all these characters are made up in original in a modern Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I feel that, like, they're kind of, you know, wasting their, wasting our time with these characters that, like, I imagine there's no initial investment. Although, granted, you're, you're selling it to a mainstream audience, so you really can't get really comic booky with it, but at the same time, they can't do major things because of the movie. So I guess it's sort of like a step between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, and, and it's become clear that the with the success of Daredevil is that the further you are away from the cinematic universe, the more freedom you have and the more success that you have. Um, and obviously, that's not the only reason why Daredevil was a huge success, but um, it's noticeable that you would look at the shots of New York and go, but there's no Stark Tower. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but when the Stark Tower is established being right next to the Chrysler building... They have cloaking technology. <laughs> in the, uh, in the, uh, in the teaser image, I think you can see Star- the Avengers Tower, but what are you going to do? Yeah, so, um, basically, there's... I, I think all these shows benefit from not tying in... Uh, see, I'm saying this, where obviously Arrow and Flash benefited hugely from tying in with each other, bringing Constantine in, but the more they can stand on their own rather than being slave to a more important storytelling, which is the problem with the Marvel Network show... just take a look at Agent Carter, a great show, doesn't have movies to tie in with, does its own storytelling in its own pace, and far more successful. 
That was a great show. It was very good. Very good. Um, and then there's the Legends of Tomorrow is coming out whenever that is. I don't know when it's coming out. Oh, no, that's going to be a show. If that tease about the Metal Men is anywhere close to being true, and I'm actually going to see the Metal Men in the live action. Oh, what was the tease for? Oh, um, Greg Belanti, or one of the producers of the show, just basically tweeted, um, it was like the different metals in bars just piled up. Oh, sweet! <laughs> Platinum, <laughs> 10, gold. It might have had the logos on them. It was like, and that's all it was. And it was like, if that, if that happens, and there's actual metal men on a live action TV show, that's insane. I, that is insane. But, but, but I don't understand. They can't do that because I saw a meme that says that DC's afraid to do things and Marvel has a talking raccoon with machine guns. I, 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 I don't understand. Marvel has so, with machine guns in films on TV. It has people in black suits walking on bland sets with piss poor writing. Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> this is why I wanted Lacey on. <laughs> Throwing truth bombs up there. <laughs> Before we get completely too far away from everything, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let, let's talk about the change in the credits. Um, <laughs> as promised, um, we knew that we were going to get some sort of a Bill Finger credits. We didn't know to what extent. And, and uh, that credit is now here when you watch Gotham. It says, well, what is it, based on the characters created by Bob Kane with on, Bill Finger? Yes. Created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger, which I think is nearly perfect. I, I, of course, granted, I've had this for a long time that there is some weird legal thing that stops them from out and out saying Bill Finger did this. And I think the wit gets it as close as they can without getting themselves in legal hot water. But it means that his name's up there, which is fantastic. It's happened in the comics as well. And um, apparently they did something with the Firestorm creator credit on, uh, last week's Flash. Um, uh, or was it Firestorm or was it something else? Tony Isabella had written about it. It's like, oh, we haven't even actually signed the deal with DC to do this, but they've gone ahead and named the artist as being a, a major creative input on that. Well, I think I, I was talking to Josh about this on the phone, that, like, like in the last 10 years or so, like, I, I, like after Justice League Unlimited, like, they started crediting a lot of people, like, Paul Norris would get credit, credit, credit for Aquaman. Yep. Um, uh, Mark Wolfman and George Perez have gotten credit, creator credit for Nightwing, on, on various things. Um, that, that one's always interesting. I, I think that, like, I think that, I th- they also got credit for Cyborg, I think, on one of the movies. Uh, they get it. I, 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 like, this, yeah, I, I, like, they've been, they've been, there's been a lot of more generous credits, and I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a legal thing or not. Because I remember, um, that, uh, in the, uh, in Rose, in the first episode of Modern Doctor Who, they credited, um, uh, Robert Holmes with the Autons, but I don't know if that was. I don't think they were legally obligated to do that. I heard that that was just the, kind of a nice thing they did. So I don't no, know no, if, they, if it's legal here or not. Let's just get into the detail on Doctor Who in the seventies. So, um, if you created something for the show, you had um, basically part of the rights to do so. Which is why in the nineties there were lots of spin-offs that weren't Doctor Who licensed, but would have things like Autons in or K Nine or, or um, Zygons or another one because the creators had a certain level of control over that. So they existed as a separate entity from Doctor Who. It's um, how the Daleks write situation is so interesting. And there's this effervescent rumour, which is utter crap, that the BBC are obligated to include the Daleks in the show once every year. It's like, mm, no, that's that true. not what it is. No, that, that's utter crap. Um, sorry, but okay. um, it, it is. No deal like that exists. The Daleks are the most popular thing in Doctor Who, apart from the Doctor. 
Of course you're going to include them. Even when they're being rested, they turned up for a quick cameo in The Good Man Goes to War. No, it wasn't. It was something else. Uh, the end of that year. It was a finale for season yeah, six. Whether you've a song. So you keep right. having that. Um, but yeah, right. th- that's why you have those credits. Uh, K9, created by Bob Baker and um, uh, Thingy Martin. I can't remember his surname. That's how these Thingy things Martin. exist. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, that was boring to anyone who isn't a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> Take that, Josh. I don't hate Doctor Who. I've just never seen the show. But, but yeah, when they were announcing that Bill Finger was going to get credit, I was very, very apprehensive because while I do want him to get credit, I feel like everyone was celebrating and like popping, you know, champagne and saying, hooray, you know, our victory is finally here without knowing what we were going to get. Because like my, my fear was it like we were just going to get something like, you know, special thanks to Bill Finger or like. Which would have been condescending. Right, and uh, there just was not enough revealed, and it was making me really nervous. And so when I saw Bob came with Bill Finger, like Don said, I thought, okay, this is nearly perfect. Like, you know, I'd like that with to be an end. But to to be quite honest, you know, like, you know, I recorded this podcast with Don, or, you know, this podcast was recorded by Don and Josh. Like, there's not a lot of difference there. I mean, we we, we can know intellectually that, like, concepts like the like, – Calling him the Dark Knight and Gotham City and, and Robin and a lot of the characters. Like we, we can know intellectually that Bill Finger was the creative impetus for it, but Bob Kane's never not going to get credit. So yeah. it's just, this is kind of like the fact of life. Yeah. Well, and that's why I was afraid because I'm like, there's legal stuff. Like, you would need fact. Gossip Gertie to do something. So the, the most important thing is that Bill Finger's name is up there with Bob Kane on the same level, same font size. So even though you might. Uh, be aware of the the difference between and and with you're still seeing those two names together and I think it's important that they become as as, as synonymous as Siegel and Schuster because that that's as good as it's ever going to get yeah that's that's this is one of the this is like the second best case scenario and it's close enough to the best case scenario that uh, I am happy about it so good on good, good on I, I want to know how this happened, you know, because I feel like a deal would have had to have been made with the Kane estate, and I'm sure that there's no money involved because I, I don't think that they could do that. But you know, especially with like how cheap DC's being with like you know Killer Frost created by nobody. Well, they're they're, they're on the way to fixing that though. That that, yeah. that was I, and if I to their Jerry Conway said, you know, things are are changing, it's going to be okay. And he regrets the tone that he put the initial statement out in. But, of course, everyone goes for the drama rather than the level-headed stuff afterwards. I, I, just as an aside, yeah. I, I enjoyed reading his post. And when he said, you know, I got to sit down with Jeff Johns and I was going on about this and that and the other. And Jeff just looked at me and said, Jerry, this was all stuff that happened before I was born. And that kind of put some of it in perspective. The, the company is a very different one. And I always get the feeling with DC, yes, it's fun to go oh, look, they've screwed up with this. But when it's something like that, the first thing they'll do is, is swing into action to do something about it. Well, we we, we, we can make, we have and will again make a lot of jokes about Dan Dio, Jim Lee, Jeff Johns, but I don't for a second believe that they have any antipathy towards the creators, and they do love the properties they're working on. So, And, and like I was not surprised and pleasantly, pleasant, pleasantly uh, a, a relieved to hear that once the creator contention with Jerry Conway came into their... In, in their awareness, they, like you said, hopped into action and legitimately met with him to work out a deal because this this is between like, like, like the stepping down of Paul Levitz and then like Diane Nielsen coming into power. All, all, all of this stuff is kind of very complicated, but uh, 
it was sort of like a series of events that happened without anybody kind of paying attention, essentially. Was it Len Wein who created Lucius Fox? Uh, I definitely read a Len Wein comic where Lucius Fox is in it, so maybe, um, yeah. I, I remember, uh, well, an, in, an interview with the first person to write Lucius Fox, he said he's made more money out of the use of Lucius in the first two Dark Knight films, because this predated Rises, than he had from pretty much any comics royalties. Because O'Neill put that in, Because right? of um, O'Neill and Levitt getting that um, uh, creator-sharing uh, program going on. Right. Stella had John Ostrader on uh, a Collins show, and we talked about, like, I asked him, does he get any creator credit or, you know, composition for Oracle? He says no, but he does, he does get it from Amanda Waller, which he enjoys. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I, I DC, yeah. DC used Amanda Waller. This will be the fourth version of her in what seven years when Suicide Squad comes out. Not uh, yeah, well, Suicide Squad. We we'll have Green Lantern, uh, Justice League Unlimited, and that that movie she was in. Uh, that's, that's at least. Well, four I just right think live action Smallville, Arrow, and then Arrow. Yeah. Suicide Squad, oh yeah, Smallville Green Lantern. and Arrow. That's six. So that yeah, so there there have been a lot of versions of her. Uh, and in the comics. Yeah. So, yeah, she's... But anyway, we... we <clears throat> this is good stuff! Yeah. This is really good stuff. This, this is enjoyable. Um, there are two comments which I've been told to read, and if I do that, they'll release my mother. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> we already cut off Andy's arm. <laughs> no! Right, left or right? Oh, but guess what? Guess what we attached on his hand instead of a hammer? Is it a... Is it Podcast microphone? microphone? No, a vagrant killing omnibus. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, please tell me it's the biggest one they've done. That that Walt Simonson Thor one. He just can't lift his arm. He has to topple <laughs> onto a vagrant with it. Of course. Die, 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 die. Right. Eg says, "Do you guys think they could get Michelle Pfeiffer to play Selena's mother?" No. Uh, <laughs> why not? Well, who's more expensive, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer or Pee Wee Herman? Um, what's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer doing nowadays? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't, yeah, yeah, like a few years ago, definitely not. But uh, I mean, I would like to see it. Do I think it's possible? I think it is, but I might, I might not be. I might be ignorant to some certain facts in terms of her schedule. I mean, yes. Adam West said that he'd like to come on to the show. Like, bring him on as Selena's mother. Oh, that would kill him. <laughs> I don't want him to be anywhere near the show. <laughs> I'm actually looking up. What? Oh, come on. That would be fun. I, I would be worried. I don't want to see Adam West die because no, the plot needs to No, let's make happen. him like a crime. Like, he could be Lou Moxon or something. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> he would be like, like, like future uh, uh, Davi Mazzano. Maybe he could just tell him to be the man. Yeah. <laughs> Mayor Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Okay, so Michelle Pfeiffer was in Dark Shadows in 2012. Uh, yeah, apparently, she has a movie called that. Beat Up Little Seagulls, but she hasn't done a movie since 2013's The Family. Uh, I'm just. Oh, she was in Hairspray. That's right. Then Tooth Lake. Yeah, she's she's not been fairly busy. You know, I'm sure she. Oh wow, and her TV roles. Okay, so she's going to be in The Wizard of Oz next year, and her prior TV role was in 1996, doing The Muppets Tonight. <laughs> also, either she's really picky with her TV roles, or uh, she's just not fairly. Maybe no one's picking up the phone. Well, if something's coming out next year, she might be busy. Let's right face now. If she's picky with the TV role, she's not taking Gotham. 
Hey, you know what? She was on the Muppets tonight. Okay, so I mean, no offense to the Muppets, but I mean, like, it's not like the Muppets is like highbrow TV. You know, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan was on Muppets tonight. Uh, the other comment on the site is from Michael Ridge, who says, while Theo has a cause for a family vendetta against the Wayne family, his family should also resent the fact that the other major families, such as the Keens, did not support them when they were driven out of Gotham. Maybe this is why he's saving Barbara for something special. Ooh, I like that. I forgot that they mentioned the Keen family. Except, like, it, it assumes that the Keens were like in Gotham at the time, and they seem to be uh, British. So, like, like recently British. Oh yeah, the weekend. Yeah, oh, no, the weekend. Right. <laughs> Every time Steve said "weekend" this episode, I immediately thought of Barbara's parents. You, because you guys both pronounce it <laughs> the same racist. way. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Soon you'll be killed by Aaron Richards. Um, and P- I and Peter Petrelli. <laughs> that guy, yes. I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll read out the solicitation. Next episode is called Mommy's Little Mon... Oh, God. Mommy's Little Monster. I guess it's a playoff on Harley Quinn's church. Uh, Butch leads Penguin and his men to the warehouse where Gertrude is being held as Penguin plots his revenge on Galavan for kidnapping his mother. Meanwhile, Nygma deals with the aftermath of a deadly accident and the all-new Rise of the Villains, colon, The Mommy's Little Monster, episode of Gotham, airing Monday, November 2nd on Fox. Are they still calling the season that? Rise of the Villains. Uh, Read to me the the sentence about Nygma again. Nygma deals with the aftermath of a deadly accident. In the all new, and then I'll say, in which she's in critical condition. <laughs> well, I was listening and I was like, wait, did they say little accident? I'm like, oh no, deadly accident. Like, so, so on the one hand, you've got deadly as in possibly fatal, and accident in the way that accidents happen when you accidentally choke someone to death. So, <laughs> Kristen Kringle, in I deadly was just danger. trying to get her not to squeal on me for murder, and I accidentally committed another murder. <laughs> I swear, I'd lose my own head if it wasn't attached to my body sometimes. Oh, gosh. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Uh, what a wacky show this is to talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, so, I mean, a lot of the speculation for next week is just, you know, stuff that we covered in the actual episode, which is, you know, what's, what, what is Penguin walking into, and um, <laughs> I guess another face-off with Selena and him, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll I don't find know out sure, in yeah. the all-new Rise of the Villains Mommy's Little Monster episode of Gotham Airing Monday, November 2nd on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't watch Supergirl. And know when I... <laughs> I promise nothing. <laughs> 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 it's just to a promo, which is just Sean Pertwee talking to the camera. You're right there. You think you'd go into CBS, weren't you? I don't think you'd want to do that. No, no, I think you're better on Fox. Yeah. yeah that's alright. Just, just put that down. There you are. Lovely. <laughs> You're watching just, Fox. Just do that. Just, just basically <laughs> intimidate everyone staying on Fox in the way that Alfred does. Hey guys, you like flying girls? Well, um, we, we could have that too. We could bring Balloon Man. We didn't mention that. that we could that, bring Balloon that Man Alfred back and have him, like knows. you know launch girls in the space. <laughs> we didn't mention that the fact that Alfred punched out Bruce Wayne and gave him a bloody nose. Blah, 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 I, you know, it's just the latest in the long line of Alfred child abuse charges, like. <laughs> It doesn't even affect me anymore when, like, you know, Steve, we famously talk about in, like, season one, there's an episode where, like, uh, Alfred goes to Gordon and he's like, oh, Master Bruce, he's been caughting himself. Oh, shouldn't you take him to a therapist? No, no, no. I promised his parents I would never do that under any circumstances. 
is, is that you know horseshit? Is that the bit just for my favourite moment of the first series? Where Bruce says something and Alfred turns to him and goes, Don't you stop creepy Apple people, don't you know that's bloody ruse? <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah, this is the second episode. It was my favourite moment of the entire season. <laughs> don't ever do that to Gordon again, especially not when you're Batman. <laughs> or, <laughs> and then, um, like, uh, Alfred, you know, like, Bruce, like, breaks his ankle and, like, climbs up a mountain in the middle of the night, you know, facing certain death, and then Alfred's up there roasting marshmallows, like, ah! Oh, must have been. <laughs> I've been watching. I've been. I've been watching you for hours. <laughs> I don't know. If he was roasting marshmallows. <laughs> he, he, he was up there like lounging. Like he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Want some smalls? <laughs> oh man, we're not doing. The, we're not doing uh, the United Kingdom any credit with our impressions. Oh, those are impressions. I do. <laughs> but um, if, if you would like to come and listen to more of my voice talking about comics and stuff, you can do that. Look for the Fantasticast. We're at ffcast.libsyn.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter where I'm at QuizLacey. Yes, got the plugs in. Don't edit them, Josh. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. no they'll, they'll be there. <laughs> and, and, here, and here's an extra plug, too. Hey, Gotham fans. Are you enjoying, you know, uh, what's his name? Barnes? Barnes? Are you enjoying Nathaniel Barnes? Do you think that he's fantastic? Well, did you know that he was in a movie called Fantastic Four, where he played a character called Ben Grimm? So if you really like Nathaniel Barnes and you like the Fantastic Four, you should listen to things about the Fantastic Four, like the Fantasticast, hosted by and, uh, Andy. Wow, I almost called you Andy. But Andy's there, too. Andy and Steve. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was, that was, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. I didn't know where I was going with that until I went there. <laughs> I, I was like, I really hope that there's a finish line because I'm just kind of like driving this car down a road. <laughs> You're racing in the yeah. dark. So until next time, this is Josh. This is Don. And I guess this is Steve. And you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. Rest in peace, Miss Kringle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'll never forget all my favorite Ivy Kringle scenes. Like the time where you... <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's, all, that's, that's all random the show can and There's be. just loads of deleted scenes where Kringle goes back into office and goes, Another fan? But who put this here? <laughs> As I told Lady Freeze when I pulled <laughs> Ivy, you know, your, your plant gave me a bunch of rashes, and my date with Ed is in an hour. What are we going to do? Um, I will say, though, you know... Get Brazilian, and Ivy just goes, No, don't trip the bush! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marina Pierre is so... It's making the bloopers. Oh, maybe the bloopers, I'll think about it. <laughs> well, Marina Pierre is, is Brazilian, so I guess she'll ask her. <laughs> That's making the bloopers. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> in British. What, what, what is uh, your time zone called in over here? Uh, right now, it's Greenwich Mean Time, because we've moved out of British summertime. We're in that rare one week of the year where we're only four hours apart because your clocks don't go back until this weekend. How do you know that? <laughs> yeah, we're only four because hours Because he podcasts with Americans on a regular basis. He has to know these things. Damn you, Julian. I, 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 I hate to point out, Andy's not American. He's Northern.
There's a very clear uh, difference. Well, I, I, well, I know that Andy's not American, but like most of the people who like you've gone on their podcast with, like as guests and stuff, like have been joined forces with the yeah, like of, uh, Michael Bailey, John Wilson. Um, can I say J. David Weeder? Because now I'm just throwing out random names. <laughs> Oh, Managers, score! Uh, score, 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 score! I don't have to be at work till 6 tonight, Scott, a text. Uh, I dearly yeah, apologize. Yeah, Andy's American accent is much better. <laughs> how, how, did the, how did that joke go over, by the way, like, to the audience? Like, was, oh, was it too I, high concept? <laughs> I, I, I think, like, I, I don't, it was, what, getting on for two and a half years ago, so I don't quite remember. Um, just okay. for those of you who are listening, um, I do a show called The Fantasticast, which is an issue by issue reader of The Fantastic Four, uh, along with its spin-offs, and um, Josh and Don were guests on some of our very first episodes, but uh, we there's a Strange Tales issue towards the end of that run where the Human Torch and the Thing meet the Beatles who aren't contractually allowed to speak on panels um, and uh, Andy couldn't be there for the recording I knew that Josh being such a major Beatles fan we should definitely have him on for that so we came up with a really really lame framing sequence where I challenged Andy to speak in an American accent for the coverage of it without uh, dropping once and then I just cut to me and Josh chatting for uh, what was a very long time for a very bad comic and um yeah <laughs> no, no references at all we, we did a similar thing where um andy and his son mike did a, a christmas episode for us because i wanted christmas off and just kept referring to mike his son michael as Stephen the entire time <laughs> because as we all know all british men sound us yes I, I quite like that thing where you're blatantly signposting a gag but never actually saying no with having a gag it's a bit like a i'll go back to wet hot american summer the um the, the first day of camp where everyone's visibly 15 years older and wearing terrible wigs and nobody mentions it once and it's hilarious <laughs> gotcha. or maybe not we'll see you next time <laughs> A city of justice. A city of love. Oh, as, as he cradles the corpse of Kringle. I've had so many years of not having heard that song, and then I press play on the episode, and I just hear, City of justice. City of life. It's like, <laughs> off, rock, good, ah! <laughs> you, you and Dustin. like <laughs> Dustin doesn't like it. <laughs> that awesome. song when I was, how old I, so that was Batman Forever, wasn't it? 97. No, Batman and Robin. <laughs> so, so I would have been... And I hadn't read much. I think I'd literally read Nightfall at that point and seen some that 60s was before Batman R. Kelly peed and on Burton. And I knew that song was. I was like, "That's not Gotham. Why would Gotham need Batman if it was a city of justice?" Yeah, I, I thought the life. exact same thing. This is but it's not well, like you write your song about you write your song about Squirrel Girl, which no one's ever heard of, so you can get some of the details wrong. It's Batman. Well, did you ever see like there was there was a uh, there's an ABC Family uh, television promo for Batman Begins? <laughs> where the narrator literally says he fights for family and lives for love, <laughs> which has been like the most anathema uh, description of Batman <laughs> I have ever totally heard. Totally the film Chris Nolan intended to make, and it was just David Goyer's script that took him off course. Well, I remember, like they showed a scene that the scene of him and Katie Holmes kissing when he says he lives for love. <laughs> what is I was like, what, what, what is he? The man with the golden gun? Oh, please! All of a sudden, he lives for love. What he, he, the deleted scene is him rushing around the apartment, going, "Where's the prophylactic? Where's the prophylactic?" 